Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. Before we begin this episode, we want to acknowledge the recent tragedy in Colorado Springs. We recorded this episode before the shooting at Club Q that took five lives and impacted countless more. In light of this event, we want to make you aware that the book we discuss in this episode contains violence against members of the LGBTQ community. We don't discuss this in depth, but we do mention it a few times as part of the plot of the book. If you are still struggling to process your own response to the very real and recent violence against this community, you may want to skip this episode. Stephanie and I extend our sympathy to all those affected and pray for peace, healing, and justice. If you decide to skip this episode, we hope that we'll see you next week for a much more lighthearted discussion of Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson. Well, welcome to episode two of You Might Hate This Book. Yes, welcome. (laughs) We're still talking to hypothetical listeners because we haven't (laughs) released anything yet, but I have faith that you're here. Yes, you faithful (laughs) listener, we have faith in you. (laughs) Well, this week's book is Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. Mm -hmm. Okay, before I ask you if you hated this book, let's just do a brief synopsis. Sure. Ike Randolph has been out of jail for 15 years with not so much as a speeding ticket in all that time. But a black man with cops at the door knows to be afraid. The last thing he expects to hear is that his son, Isaiah, how did you pronounce it in the So I started it by listening to the audiobook. Oh, that's helpful. And uh, the audiobook said Isaiah. It's not spelled right. I know, um, but that's, well, it's not spelled traditionally. Okay. Yeah. Um, So when I started reading it, after I had begun with the audiobook, I was like, oh, that's spelled different. So, yeah. Okay. Isaiah. I'm leaving this entire conversation in because... That's... No, this is important. Great. I'm going to just start (laughs) (laughs) mid-sentence where I was. Go ahead. His son, Isaiah. (laughs) (laughs) That his son, Isaiah, has been murdered, along with Isaiah's white husband, Derek. Ike had never fully accepted his son, but is devastated by his loss. Derek's father, Buddy Lee, was almost as ashamed of Derek for being gay as Derek was ashamed of his father... For being a criminal. Buddy Lee still has contacts in the underworld, though, and he wants to know who killed his boy. Ike and Buddy Lee, two ex-cons with little else in common other than a criminal past and a love for their dead sons, band together in their desperate desire for revenge. All right. Mm-hmm. That's the book. Um, we do want to add a content warning as well, um, not for our conversation, but for the book itself. Yeah. This book contains graphic violence and language, including racial and homophobic slurs that could be unwelcome or triggering to some readers. Right. So just we will not be repeating any of that. But just so you know, um, if you are thinking about reading this book as well. Great. Yeah. Okay. What did you know about this book before you read it? I knew virtually nothing. I knew what was on the dusk jacket. 
Yeah. Um, which I didn't even really pay much attention to at first. Like I mentioned earlier, I started with the audiobook on my way to yeah. work. So that I just kind of launched in. I knew the conceit of like the the fathers of the the gay sons that were um, kind of seeking revenge. Uh, and that it was an interracial marriage as well. Okay. But you had not heard, like, big hype on the internet about it. Nope. Okay. Nope. Um, I have, I now know that it's there. <laughs> but going into it, no, I did not. Okay. Did you hate this book? Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> I really did. Oh, that makes me so sad. Um, I know that's the point, but I, I wanted I to change you. Oh, girl, you started me out with a doozy. <laughs> um... First of all, uh, I do want to start this conversation by saying, like, this book is told from the voices of, like, a black man, a white man, gay men and women, a a trans character. So, like, and I am a cis straight white woman. (laughs) So I am not, you know, these are not my voices, and I respect that. I'll be kind of evaluating it and looking at it as a piece of writing uh, in the story. And we'll talk more about content as we go, but... um, I just wanted to put that out there, like okay, yeah. So, out a five star rating, what would you give it? One. Oh my gosh, you're breaking like my I heart, not, Hannah. I did not like this book. Um, I really thought I would change you. Said every woman ever. So you gave me the like most different book of anything. It's great. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh. Okay, it is your turn to tell me. What you hated about this book, and okay. I will be quiet. No, it's okay. <laughs> this is, we got ourselves into this. <laughs> we are friends. We will remain friends. I have faith in our friendship. So, like, there's a lot of issues I had with this book. Starting with the, like, most, I guess, surface-level basic, I feel like would just be the writing of it. Like, okay. the style, which this genre isn't particularly for me. I am not, I'm not the target audience of this book. <laughs> I don't think. Okay. But the writing itself was, it was hard to read. <laughs> um, there was a point where I was reading it on my bed in my room, and, and I would just read something and outwardly groan. And then Brandon from the other room, my husband, would go, what is it? Read me the line. And I would read it to him. Um, oh, the bad similes. Oh, the bad similes. He he knows about his similes. Okay. Is this a thing? Yeah. It, oh, okay. Has I'm he gonna, discussed it? Yes. Okay. I have an interview for you later. Oh, cool. Okay, so I just, I pulled some of my favorite, least favorite, most awfully bad similes. Okay. Um, It runs the gamut from, like, taking a common cliche or trope and making it sound worse than it already does. (laughs) Like, on page one, it felt like the precipice was covered in bacon grease. Like, you're already on a precipice. (laughs) <laughs> it's covered in bacon grease? Okay. That's page I gotta one. say, I don't remember that simile. <laughs> page one. Page one. Um, and like this one, which is on page like 227, so way later. I couldn't carry a tune, even if it was in a bucket. Like, why are you... That's already a saying. Why do you need to... Okay, that's fine. His back snapped, crackled, and popped like a bowl of Rice Krispies. That's hey, not, you know... <laughs> Potholes dotted the road like they were driving over a slice of Swiss cheese. Uh, okay. Um, that one's not great. That's no. Fine. The subtext was as menacing as a tiger sitting in your back seat. The big pistol jumped out of his hand like the gingerbread man. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's really bad. I. Uh, that's fine. That's really bad. And then bad. there were some that just, like, didn't even make sense. Like, these, these two. Blood was smeared across his palm like Sanskrit. Sanskrit? I, that, I also don't I know don't what that means. Or his eyes gleamed like 
wet concrete? Is wet concrete gleaming? I, there's a lot of I, things that gleam in the world. I mean, I wouldn't have picked that one, yeah. Um, and there's one other one that multiple Goodreads one-star reviews cite that I am not going to repeat, but let's just say it compares a man's phlegm and cancer-ridden tight chest to a part of the female anatomy. So, okay. Moving on. It was gross. All um, right. I got to say, I don't remember that either. Maybe I just blocked these out of my... Maybe I love the book well, because I blocked all the similes out. And it's it's a fast-paced book. Yes. It's written to be fast. Uh, so, you know, cruising over these, you might not... I am used to reading and, like, noticing these I things. was not reading it critically when I read right. it, and you were assigned to read it critically. Exactly. So, again, hearkening to our last conversation, the context you read a book in, it matters. Right. Um, but once I started noticing them, and those were, of course, all pulled out of context, but I will say there were some action-packed sequences that had these similes in, and it really it took me out... It. it took me out of the moment. I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. There was also this reoccurring... Did you notice the ice machine? He uses the sound of an ice machine to break the tension of a scene three times. Really? <laughs> and I was like, what is it with the ice machine? I don't know. Now I... Like, this is really Is this nitpicky. supposed to be, like, a theme? I don't know. And one of the times... No, two of the times, it was in Derek and Isaiah's apartment. They mm-hmm. had been dead for two months, and nobody had been in that apartment. I don't know how your oh, ice maker works. I remember that, yeah, and the But ice it's like, machine. mine stops work- yeah. making ice when it's full. It would be full after not that long. Part of the way through the book, I made a note to look at the dust jacket and the about the author um, information because it did feel very rushed, the writing. Really? It did. And, like, there were even, and this is not Cosby's fault, I found multiple editing errors, like, just, like, misspellings. And, and I was like, what is this? I think I remember that, too. I thought I <sighs> But I, um, oh, I can explain that. I got this book from Book of the Month Club, which offers very, very inexpensive oh. hardcover books because they're misprints. So in almost every single Book of the Month Club book, you find a really dumb typo that some editor uh, missed somewhere, and they went, oh, crap, we can't sell this book. So, yeah, that's... Okay. Yeah, that's, and I was reading, for the record, I was reading Stephanie's copy of yes. Book of the Month. So well, that's good to know. I yeah. didn't know that. So you might have several of those that I hand you because a lot of my books are Book of the Month Club yeah. books. I just bought another Book of the Month. If Book of the Month Club wants to offer us money to sponsor... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Book of the Month. I just bought one of their books used at a used bookstore and... I hadn't ever read them before now. So yeah. now I will know going in. I'm, I'm a huge be, fan of Book of the Month Club, but I'm yeah. I'm noticing. You get ones where, like, there's accidentally two spaces in between a word or something. Like, it's really silly yeah, stuff. That it like, is. It's not egregious, but... And they it's could, not the author's fault. They couldn't sell it. And right. so, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But, so, okay. So, yeah, there was that, which that has an explanation. But just the plot in general, and I felt like there was very little character development for most of the characters, and it just all felt very rushed. Which might be, I don't read this genre a whole lot, and we haven't talked about genre a lot yet, since this is our only our second episode, but um, that might be part of it. But even for the genre, it felt like there was just very little character development. For a book that I think what he's trying to do with his message needed more character development. Right. And I, I hate that because, okay, so I've, I referenced in the first episode that I'm a writer, and I'm currently... <laughs> querying agents like Mm. I'm trying to get the manuscripts that I have written published first of all it's hard just in general but if you wrote a thriller they want it to be fast I I worry that because today's market is so commercial especially with thrillers authors are pushed to be pacey and I actually felt like that was happening like I didn't fully blame Cosby yeah I I mean a bunch of the books that were published 100 years ago would never ever 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 get agented today because they're just too slow and it's not that they're not good or whatever 
there's a big push, like, people don't have the attention span or intelligence to read a book that slows down for half a second, and so... I wonder if he was pushed to make it pacier. Yes, and the, and I think the thing that it was missing was character development. Because I yeah. think for the story he's trying to tell... It is that a story about needed. character. And... Yes. I'll get into that later. Because there was one character I think was well-developed. But most of the characters just felt like caricatures to me. Okay. Um, and I started noticing this. I was still... So I listened to like the first 12 chapters maybe in the car... And then I switched to reading the hard copy. Um, but I started noticing it. And I tried to go in very, like, open-minded. Like, I'm just going to let this book wash over me. And I'm going to, you know. Where it started pulling me was when um, Ike and Buddy Lee, they start, they are just beginning their journey of confronting people that might know something about right. their sons. And they go to this, like, marijuana shop. I don't even remember. The Blue Anarchist. Do you mm-hmm. remember? So it's these hipster kind of kids. And the way they are described, I just, I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> and I'm going to read it. <laughs> Please. Three narrow-looking white kids sat behind a glass display case that served as the sales counter. A bearded guy, a clean-shaven guy who was sporting a monocle, and a girl who looked like she had just stopped wearing light-up shoes a week ago. <laughs> I was like, a monocle? That are feels... You- I've never met a hipster with a monocle. I've met one who might want a monocle, but I've never met a hipster That's with a monocle. That's why it felt like a caricature. Yeah. And then they go to the bakery where Derek works, and the guy behind the counter is described as, he had a wide grin with huge teeth that were as white as his pale skin. His light blonde hair was tied up in a short bun on top of his head like a sumo wrestler's top knot. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so we got monocle guy and man bun guy. You know we're dealing with hipsters. Yes. <laughs> and I was like... Hipster white kids. Yeah. It, so it just felt, because of that, it felt very underdeveloped. Even Buddy Lee, I wanted to like him. I loved him. I, did, I felt like he needed to be more developed. He okay. beca- he felt like a caricature of, hi, I'm this hillbilly. Yeah. He spoke in cliches all the time. So they go on this journey, Ike and Buddy Lee. Their sons are dead. They never accepted them or their marriage or their sexuality while they were alive. And of course they have guilt about that. But there's still, like, there still needs to be a process of them coming to terms with who they are, even though they died. You can't just use that as a pass for, like, no, I accept everything about them. If this were a real person, which this has happened a billion times, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. you don't just go, now that they're dead, I see the error of my ways and I should have loved them. You would grapple with it. And my entire worldview has shifted. Now I just accept anybody. You would grapple with it. And that's what I felt like Buddy Lee's character did. Now, Ike, who is the character I liked the most... I saw that tension with him. Mm-hmm. I saw him grappling with it still. He talks about, like, you know, I wish I could have gotten Isaiah to understand my point of view and why I felt the way I did. And he, that one scene that I can't decide if I liked or I hated where he's <laughs> punching a punching bag and he's crying. Yeah. And the the author calls attention to the title by saying his tears were like razor blades. Yeah. Which I don't know if I like or hate. That's fine. I didn't like it either. Uh, I felt like it would make a really good movie scene. Mm -hmm. Like there were times, and maybe it's because of the quick pace, I was like, he could write a screenplay. It's been optioned for TV. I'm not surprised. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Um, And that scene, like I could see that scene, which I think attests to it was written pretty well. Yeah. Even if I didn't like the style. But I liked that I saw Ike struggling with that. Like, even though he's, of course, distraught about his son. He didn't just immediately one day be like, never mind, I'm fine with exactly. this stuff. Which Buddy Lee, I felt like, did. 
Like, we, we see Ike struggling when he goes to the barbershop and when he goes, when they go to the gay bar. But Buddy Lee just kind of, he, he just has this, like, good-natured attitude, which was endearing, but also just didn't make him real. It made yeah. him seem like a caricature. Buddy Lee was written in a way that he was putting on a performance that he mm. wanted he wanted to be totally okay with everything because he felt like that would redeem him. I interpreted his immediate switch to never mind I'm fine with my gay son as him faking it till you make it kind of of like sure. this might redeem me if starting right now on day 1 of my son being dead I switch because it felt showy and mm-hmm. the way that it, it's Buddy Lee's idea to draw Ike yes, into yes, this. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. And yes. um, we find out towards the end that um, Buddy Lee manipulated Ike in yes. certain mm-hmm. ways to try and get him on board. Buddy Lee wanted to be redeemed immediately for not having treated his son the... And there's reasons he is wanting to do this quickly. Yes. Yes. And so... I think because of the time pressure Mm -hmm. that you just mentioned, he just dives all the way into it. He Mm -hmm. doesn't have time to grapple with it the way that Ike does. Yeah. I interpret it as a character choice, not bad writing. But that's... Well, and I think that's fair. I still didn't like it. Like, it still felt... It just fell flat. And again, so... And I've said this a couple times, what the book is trying to do. I mean, when you cast... You know, your main characters are the fa- are the estranged fathers of two gay men. Not only that, they're a biracial couple. Not only that, both of these men are ex-cons. Like, you've got a lot going on and a lot to say here. So I just want I wanted it to do it better. Yeah. <laughs> and do it justice. And I, I had this phrase rattling around in my head that my students will sometimes say to me. It's like, oh, you're doing too much. <laughs> like, mm. all three of those things I listed could have been... A really in-depth analysis. Yeah. But it was just such a quick pace, and it just kind of flew over some of these. And then there's also the fact that, like, Buddy Lee is, he is living in poverty. Yeah. Which is, a, the socioeconomic class is a whole nother dynamic that, do, that I think gets underexplored. Um, it deals with lots of social issues all at once. Yes. And so because it's trying to do all the things at once, I don't feel like it does any of them well. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hate that. Right, because these are important issues. Yeah. Maybe this is just not the medium or the the genre I would choose for these issues, um, or at least in the way he did it. It, That's part of why I was disappointed with it. And there was also the (laughs) Buddy Lee's ex-wife, Christine. Yeah. Oh, golly. Um, (laughs) Also a caricature. Like, just reading their dialogue next to each other. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Is so, like... So Buddy Lee, he's a good old boy. You know, he's just talking. Uh, they're talking about somebody defaced their son's grave. And he says, somebody hit it with a sledgehammer and wrote a bunch of effing nasty crap about gay people all over it. I was editing. And she says, that's unfortunate. Even though I didn't agree with Derek's lifestyle, there was no need for someone to perpetrate such a vile act of vandalism on his tombstone. <laughs> it's like... Oh, okay. Which, I mean, it does convey that they are worlds apart right. at this point. And they are. But it also made her feel like a caricature. And it's like, she's a she's the mother of this child. like Yeah. And as a mother, I was interested in her. Well, I don't know how interested I was in her viewpoint because she's pretty terrible. But <laughs> I was, 
I just, you know, I wanted her to be more than a caricature. Yeah. Her and Buddy Lee and even some of the side characters. And because of that lack of development, the other issue I had with the book is how it was so predictable. Uh. I, I predicted almost every twist. And I don't know how much we want to spoil here, but, like, first of all, the murderer called it a mile away, mainly because they were the only option, I felt like. Right. Um, the fact that, a, you know, a character's identity is revealed to be trans, called that a mile away. The fact that somebody's granddaughter is going to get kidnapped. I mean, when you've got a book like this and you've got a three-year-old, they're only there to get kidnapped. It's like, <laughs> it's like Chekhov's gun. Like, okay. you, if you introduce a gun, it has to be shot at some point, right? Yeah. The fact that Buddy Lee's time is ticking, that was evident a mile away. So I was not gripped by the mystery that I felt like it was supposed to have. Maybe I'm just a dum-dum because I didn't see a lot of these things. But again, I was reading this critically. So, right. um I was more like along for the ride and try. I was reading it for entertainment. Yes. I was sitting yes. there trying to be entertained, and you were yes. sitting there trying to be critical. So. Yeah, um, I wanted to be entertained. I will say the one twist. I d- there was one twist I did not predict, and it was when you mentioned Buddy Lee's manipulation of Ike. Mm-hmm. That did surprise me. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Um, so that was the one surprise I had. But all the rest, I was pretty like. Yeah, and then there's also some of the side characters, like Grayson, the biker guy. He's, like, rough. He is a caricature, but also just vile, and, like, I didn't enjoy spending time around him. Yeah, I didn't like when we were in his head. No, not at all. Very bad. When you're introduced to a character, and they're, like, yelling at their woman, and then it references having hate sex later, I was like, nope, not for me. I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And his introduction came out of nowhere. Yes, I was surprised when I got to a new narrator, and it was yes. him, I was like, I'm sorry, who? Because I think he's the first one after Ike and Buddy Lee. Yeah, and I switching. was anticipating we're just going to switch back and forth right. between Ike and Buddy Lee. And then I saw this guy, and I was like, mm. What's he doing here? And yeah. why am I spending time with him? I don't like him. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's those are my notes about character. But I did, I did like Ike. I felt like he, of all the characters, showed the tension and the kind of coming to grips with what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some some good quotes, I think, that I'll, I'll get to later. I'm turning a page in my notes. <laughs> Loud, crinkly um, pages. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of the, like, surface-level stuff. Getting to the more heavy, I think, content-related stuff that I had issue with, there was one Goodreads one-star review that I, I saw, and, and I'm not going to make you read it, but it mentioned something I was having trouble articulating, and it did it for me. There's a difference between justice and revenge. Yeah. And this book is not about justice. Right. It's about revenge. I don't think it says that it's going to be about justice, though. I no. Think it... I think that the main characters want it to be, though. They make But I don't think that the author thinks that... Yeah. It just was such a disconnect for me. Like, Buddy Lee saying, you know, we've got to do right by our boys. I'm like... Okay, they've been dead this whole book, but from everything I know about them, I don't think they would appreciate what you are doing in their name. Right. And that really bothered me. Like, if you're doing this for your sons, like, go donate to a charity or, like, the, but the that's, journals. But that's not who they are, you know? No, like, it's I think not. It would have been, been too perfect if these people who, that's how yes. they think of dealing with problems, you know, I like that these are flawed people they want to do yes. right by someone but they're so flawed they don't know how to do right right 
Oh no. And and, and the and so this is another reason I liked but I liked Ike more than Buddy Lee. Mm-hmm. I like Ike. Um he I think full on recognizes that. He acknowledges multiple times in the book that like, yeah, what we're doing it's, it's not bad. great. Yeah. Whereas Buddy Lee the we're whole time is like guys. Buddy Lee I feel like is like, Oh yeah, we're we're doing this thing for our boys. This is like you said, gonna redeem us and I'm like, No, I I'm think, not sure it will. <laughs> I think he wants so badly to be able to be redeemed because of his mm-hmm. his time clock. It's really sad. And I think he wants to say anything to get Ike on board because Ike is the one who is more thoughtful about whether or not something is worth doing. Yes. And so how do you convince your friend who's doubting something? I think he was just dragging him along by being like, this is the right thing, it's the right thing. But Ike was too smart for that. He was like, oh, yeah, I know it's not the right thing. He's we're, like, we're being no, no, bad no. guys, but we're bad guys. He has this moment um, where he's talking to the character Tangerine. I wrote it down. I wrote down the exact chapter where if I had not been reading this for this podcast, I would have been you like, come out. <laughs> it was chapter 18 when you beat a kid's head in with a, a lawn implement. I'm uh, still fuzzy. <laughs> I, okay, yeah. It was real gross. And I was like, oh. Okay, I'm out. Um, but there are there are many murders that happen throughout this book, and not pretty ones. Yes, some murders. So, you know, a good uh, way over halfway through the book, um, the character Tangerine asks Ike, "How do you do it? Kill people and keep going like nothing happened?" And she describes some of the killings that they have seen, and or that they've committed and she says i jump at every noise i cry for no reason not you and buddy lee you two just keep moving forward like sharks i don't know how you do it tangerine said and then ike's response is people like isaiah and Derek and your mama didn't deserve to die the way they did and the people that killed them don't deserve to live i can't speak for buddy lee but that's what keeps me going ike said revenge tangerine asked ike smiled ruefully no hate folks like to talk about revenge like it's a righteous thing but it's just hate in a nicer suit. I love that. I, yeah, that was good. Like, I was like, he's right. Yeah. He sees what's happening clearly, which is why I liked his character. Yeah. He knows exactly who he's being. He yes. doesn't think he's being the good guy. No, I liked his voice. I liked when I was in his head. But then, so I just read that, which I think is true, but also awful mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, there are awful truths in the world. So if your book is about trying to accept, accept somebody for who they are and love is love, you can't have that same character deliver that message on the last page of your book. It doesn't work. Like, the guy who just said that at the very end of the book says to his son's grave, you know how you used to say love was love? I didn't get it. I didn't want to get it, I guess, but I understand now. What? You have killed like twenty people throughout the course, and you and you said and a very, claimed that it was because of hate. You can't say that. Like that is a good message to have in this book, but you can't have that same character deliver that message. That doesn't that doesn't work. It, Do you not feel like ugh. stuff happens between those two pages that you just read from? Yeah. Do you feel like the character could have changed their mind? No, because that's when he kills the most people, <laughs> including like. An old man who he kidnapped to manipulate somebody. And, like, granted, the old man, not a great dude. But no reason to kidnap him and then just kill him anyway. Oh. I just, I had issues with that. I was like, mm, this, this doesn't, doesn't compute. It does not check That's out. That's fair. That's um, fair. Even though I liked Ike as a character, I was like, he can't be the one to deliver that message at the end. That's fair. Should have picked somebody else. 
I don't know who because I'm not sure any of these characters <laughs> were worthy of that. Um, I'm just not sure that that should have been the message at the end of the book. It's a great. Oh, that's okay. It's that's a, a great point. message, but I don't think I never felt like that's what the book was trying to do. Like I never okay. felt like this book's purpose was to teach you acceptance and that love is love. I feel like the point of this book was to, you know, talk about the pain of loss and how you can seek redemption and knowing whether you're a good guy or a bad guy and flawed people trying to do good but doing it bad and bad people trying to do good but doing it good. Okay. I don't know if any of that even made sense. but No, it does. Yeah. To me, it felt like the book was about conflict of loving others while having your own biases and prejudices. I never felt like love is love needed to be the the thesis at the end like well he made it that's the last I know. page well, of the book yeah yeah i and he, yeah yeah i see what you're saying and i think that goes to one thing that i value in books cuz i've read books that have made me supremely uncomfortable mm-hmm. some that i have liked and some that i have hated for the reason that if i'm going to go through this awfulness and this uncomfortableness with these characters I want there to be a point at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, I want there to be some growth or some redemption, a word we keep using. And when there's, when I feel like there's not, or at least there's not enough to justify the awfulness, then I get, I get salty. (laughs) Um, Ike was interesting throughout to Mm -hmm. me, but I don't feel like he had a significant arc where, like, he was super changed by the end. He he accepted his son more, I think. But, oh, man, then this gets to the problem, like, do they avenge Derek and Isaiah's death? I mean, what does avenge mean? Like, is that what you're asking? Is it do, I, what does avenge I, mean? Yeah, I guess so. Based on the way you would I mean, I think it. that, like, literally, yes, they avenge their deaths. Mm-hmm. Is that what they would have wanted? No, I agree with you that that's not what those what two Isaiah kids, and yeah, Derek would have wanted. Isaiah and Derek would not have wanted to be avenged. But are they... Yes. See, to me, I don't even think they're fully avenged. Okay. Because, and this, I guess, is a broad spoiler, but you could have predicted this, anybody. Like, they kill their killers. Right. So, in that sense, they get revenge. But here's the thing. The people responsible for their son's death were hypocrites that needed to be brought to light. And, like, people that had presence in the media that needed to be exposed. And that doesn't happen. That made me mad. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I would rather have someone be exposed and brought down from their high horse right. than be dead. Because the the guy is dead at the end, but he's also kind of a martyr. Like, you yeah. see his wife crying at his grave, and it's like, no, no, he was a bad dude, and that needs to be proclaimed on the hilltops. Yeah, like, when, when he dies, everyone needs to be like... Good riddance. We didn't yes, like him anyway, exactly. but he dies, you know. And so that made me mad because, like, my brand of justice and revenge both is like, yeah, I'm going to wreck your reputation. That's fine, um, yeah. And Isaiah worked at a, a journal. He was a journalist. That's so. what Isaiah would have done. Isaiah yes. would have brought him down, you know. So I was real disappointed about that. Well, and I also yeah. feel like that was a theme in the book, though, is our sons ha- had more wisdom in how to handle stuff. We're yes. not like that. We're going to run headfirst, guns a-blazing, quite literally sometimes, yes. into this. And we know that that is a problematic way to do stuff. We're acknowledging sometimes that that's a problematic way to do stuff. And yeah. they would have done it better. But our sons were better than we are. I appreciate that that's acknowledged. 
But then it's also like, they're the dead ones and you're the alive ones. And what am I supposed to do with this? I know, but isn't that sometimes the truth, though? That, like, the the good ones die and the bad ones, like... Yeah, but I don't like that. (laughs) I don't want to end with that. Yes, but yes, you are correct. It was like, they should have been able to to live and to seek real justice and to avenge themselves in this way. Yes. But we're definitely the consolation prize. We're bad guys doing bad stuff, and this is all we know how to do. If it was just from Ike's perspective, I think I would have liked it better. Yeah. Because I think you get enough of Buddy Lee just from him talking to Ike. Yeah. I think if Ike's voice would have been the predominant one, you would have seen what you just described more. Like, we know we're bad guys doing this in our own way because he's really the only one you get well maybe not the only one i think buddy lee recognizes that too yeah um it just might have made it more cohesive more unified and there's just i'm okay with a swear word now and then it shows character but man it was just too much i was getting tired of it (laughs) but that's a side note yeah there's a definitely a strong language in this book yes um and violence was Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing most people cite, from what I can tell, as their biggest problem with it. Yeah. Which, honestly, I mean, yeah, it was problematic and icky, but I think my issues... What made me go from, like, two stars to one is my issues with the ending and the content and the message and who's delivering that message. Well, are you done hating on this book? Oh... Yeah, there's a... Yeah, I think so. Great. Do you want me to bring up something I thought was thought-provoking and interesting? Sure. Because there are a lot of, like, conversations about race and sexuality and identity, and there was one particular interaction that caught my attention, and it is when Ike and Buddy Lee go to a gay bar and they're asking questions about their sons. Mm -hmm. This is fairly early on. I think they've only killed one person. (laughs) No, I was being serious. I know, but I love that that's the measure for how far we are in this book. Only a couple people have been murdered so far. So this is a conversation that I think it would be a good starter for us. Um, It's between Buddy Lee and Ike and then Tex, who is the uh, bartender. And he says to Ike and to Buddy Lee, you don't get it, man. Things are better these days if you're gay, but they ain't great. You get outed and you might find out you suddenly have violated your company's rules or parking privileges, so they fire you. I mean, it's like being black or Asian or Hispanic here in the Old Dominion. Things are better, but... Ike let out a grunt. I say something wrong, Tex asked. Being gay ain't nothing like being black, Ike said. The words came out slow and deliberate. Tex furrowed his brow. I'm just saying, we still in the South. Unless you straight and white, you gotta watch your back, he said. He turned his head toward Buddy Lee. No offense, he said. None taken, I guess. I just never knew I had it so good being straight and white, Buddy Lee said. He tried to make it come out lighthearted, but the truth in the statement anchored it to the ground. You want me to comment on whether it's worse to be black or gay? Yeah, no, I like that conversation. It really got me and it got to the heart of something that I feel like when these conversations are had is the problem. And so I acknowledge up front, like, I am none of these three men. Sure. Which means if this were not a book and if this were real life, my job is to listen. Yeah. You would sit this one out. Right. And not compare. And I feel like that's what's happening in this. They're all three doing it. Mm -hmm. They're all comparing. And they're different 
marginalizations. Yeah, Buddy Lee is probably thinking like, well, I'm dirt poor and right, yeah. and he and he is, yeah. and Ike is is a black man, and Tex is a gay man, and they all have their own struggles. But as soon as as soon as you start comparing, you're not gonna get anywhere. Yeah. You're not gonna develop empathy. You're you're not gonna, I think, come to any productive, long-term productive discourse about it. Because, and they're all talking around the fact that they just can't fully understand each other's viewpoints and experiences. And the sooner that you recognize that and stop trying to compare, then I think the path toward developing empathy opens. Right. But all three of these guys, they're not doing it. And I just wanted to be like, oh, like, I thought that was a good, like, that was thought-provoking. That really made me stop and think when I read that. So that, I think, was a good a good yeah. Books should make you stop and think. Yeah. What I often see go wrong in the real world, mm-hmm. but that I thought that this book tried to get the reader to think about, yes. is that even if you are not part of X marginalized com- community, mm-hmm. if you are part of Y marginalized community, can you not see how you should be empathetic to X community, even if their struggle is different. You can sometimes compare, like, well, there's this, well, there's that, well, there's this, well, there's that. Still, being part of any marginalized community should make you capable and interested in empathizing with another marginalized community and not seeking to do trauma Olympics. Right. Trauma Olympics, yeah. That's a Yeah, and phrase. I felt like that's what he was trying to do to the reader is yes. say... Yeah, maybe you have thought I have it the worst because I'm poor or I have it the worst because I'm whatever. Whatever you are, can you not see how you should be more mindful of this other person and the fact that they are being persecuted against as well? Right, right. And just being willing to listen because as soon as you start comparing, you're making it about yourself. Yeah. Not about the other person. Man, if everyone who was marginalized came together and worked together, like, we could end marginalization. So I would just love that. It would um, be great. But that, yeah, I just, I, I just took that as a call to just stop comparing and yeah. to just listen. Yeah. That's, and I feel like that's what Ike and Buddy Lee did too late with their sons. Because trying to find their killer forced them to listen they had to go retrace their steps and go into their house. and They had to learn their story. They had mm-hmm. to learn their son's story. Mm-hmm. And they had to learn each other's story. Like, they yes. pre- pretty actively yes. did not like each other as people, but they saw each other as, a like, an asset towards committing mm-hmm. more murder. Yes. Hey, you know how to commit a murder. Would you like to join <laughs> me in committing murder? You're crazy. Like <laughs> me. But oh. they didn't like or respect each other. No. They were just murder tools. Yes. I think by the end... They both saw, oh, I can see how being poor, quote unquote, trailer trash, how you would develop this mindset about X, Y, Z. Oh, I can see how being a black man trying to run a business in the South, they did start to understand each other and like, that's all you needed to do. And yes, it was too late. And yes, the consequences, you know, caught up to them before it could like, it doesn't end happy, you know? Right. Oh, no. The consequences got to them. But they did do that. They did work together, not as just murder tools, but eventually to understand each other. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a shame that Cosby, I think, ended it on that note of love is love with Ike at the grave. Because I think the more compelling story is what you just outlined. 
Buddy Lee and Ike coming to an understanding of each other. Yeah. And I, maybe that's what I was more trying yeah. to articulate earlier is, like, that's what I felt like the heartfelt, you know, thing. The heart of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought the heart of the book was, not the father's understanding, you know, the LGBTQ community and, mm-hmm. you know, re- repenting to their sons. Right. Although, like, that obviously needed to happen and, like, that's part of their journey and that's what they do. But, yeah, the heart of this book is not love is love. It's, oh, I can listen and work together with you even though you're different. And, yes. at, and at first sight, I did not like you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good message. I just didn't like the way it was dressed. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I can work together with you because we can kill people. Murder. <laughs> but, well, yeah. talking about race brings me to one mm-hmm. of the things that I really liked about this book, yeah. which is the author, S.A. Cosby. I know nothing about him. So okay. enlighten me. Let me tell you about S.A. Yes. Cosby. I would like to know. Well, first of all, so I do not like reading thrillers by men because they are almost exclusively disgusting. And I know you'll say, well, Mm. this book was disgusting. I mean, the way they write women is appalling. And so I just, I don't read Tom Clancy and Lee Child and James Patterson because when I do, I want to die. And I picked up this book because it, you know, had all this buzz around it. And I loved Cosby's voice because he did not fall into any of the super annoying, disgusting pitfalls of white male writers. Mm -hmm. And I needed that so bad. I often find male crime voices to be callous, gross, misogynistic, degrading, and racist often, which Mm -hmm. we, you know... Mm -hmm. Cosby is black. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew that from the book, too. Yeah. S.A. Cosby is black, for anyone who yes. didn't know that. Um, so the Lee Child Jack Reacher series, a, a woman is serving him coffee in a diner, which is, by the way, a service role, and she smiles at him, and he's like, ah, the woman has smiled at me. She obviously wants to do the sex. <laughs> I would do the sex with her if I weren't so busy, you know, doing whatever. And she's only a six. Like, she smiled at you so that you don't murder her and that you leave a tip. This is why women smile at men, so that you don't kill them. But if you're rude, they're like, oh, you're so rude. And if you smile, they're like, should have sex. Stop. Okay, sorry. That's okay. This is about the books we hate. I guess tangentially, you're on topic. I, I I cannot read a book like that, and I cannot read women depicted that way. Cosby writes about people of color, writes about poor people, and does not degrade any of them in doing that. And I just, chef's kiss, I love it. (laughs) Thank you for finally doing that. Cosby includes toxic masculinity in his books, Mm -hmm. but to call it out as toxic. I don't read this genre. I have no frame of reference. Okay. So I I don't even know. Sure. But you know what I'm saying. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You can hear the white man voice in your ear describing yes. women in a, like... I wouldn't have noticed Cosby's difference from them. It because I don't palpable. spend time. For me, this was like a breath of fresh air reading a man who did not write like this. to And maybe that's part of why I loved it so much and you like yeah. you do not read because you've spent that. time in this genre yes I spend yes. a lot of time in this genre and I like swear if I picked up another book by a man and it did this and there was Cosby to save the day and I loved it 
So Cosby includes tox- toxic masculinity all over the place, mm-hmm. but calls it out as toxic and wrong, while others, it's like, who else would be the main character? These are the best qualities of a man. Yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to, like, find, like, if somebody were to ask me, like, who is the hero of this book or who is the good guy of this book? No one. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess the closest is Isaiah and Derek, and they're yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. this is what you're, you know. And the least problematic. Yeah. And as far as we know, lived kind and good lives. Mm-hmm. And were good to people. Yeah. I don't disagree with you that this book could have, it could be less pacey and deal more with character. I could add another 50 pages or another 100 pages and dive deeper into Ike and Tangerine. Yeah, and it, but it... Not so much with the characters of color, but with the characters that were part of the LGBTQ community, it occasionally made me feel like they were just, I don't even know the word, tools for the plot. Like, they just felt tools like... Tools for teaching the guys how to how to learn. Yes, and just there to be killed or beat up or... There was just a lot of violence towards that community in particular. Yeah. That, and because the characters were underwritten, it... it felt a little icky to me like he wasn't mm-hmm. overtly they doing felt like some plot of the devices yes to... um, okay yeah. i can agree with that i mean so like he wasn't overtly no being like some of these other authors you were describing but also i think doing a disservice to them by underwriting them that's fine i mean he's not a perfect writer no um yeah. And he, like we discussed earlier, tries to do a lot. Yes. Tries to do a lot. And so some of it is underdone. Yes. Um, But I still really just appreciated S.A. Cosby's voice. I thought it was really refreshing to hear from a man who did not want to write women in this way. Mm -hmm. Who did not want to introduce every single feminine presenting character as whether or not the male characters would do them. And reference the size of their body and the Mm -hmm. shape of their body. And just... That, that is how so many women characters are introduced, and he didn't do that, and I just love him for it. He didn't. There are very few women characters Fine. in the book, I will say, but I do love Ike's wife is probably the most prominent that mm-hmm. comes to mind, and I the thing I remember most that I feel like gets referenced about her description are her braids, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Because uh, like, at the end, like she had had them cut off because of, like, she had had her hair redone, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I like that. More about Cosby's voice as a black crime fiction writer. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's just not enough. He's anomaly, an anomaly in the fact that he, like, writes about race and class and sex and is from the South and writes about yeah, all you... of those things in the... Okay. Um, so he's from, so he's from um, about 40 miles south of Richmond, Virginia. And so a lot of um, black crime writers write about urban Right. That's just more common. So he's very unique in that he's writing from a perspective of being in the South and writing about the South. And so he went to a school called Lee Jackson Elementary, named for Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. Like, this poor guy was taught American history in a very white way. Yeah, a very white way. Um, I'm just going to read this bit from an interview from The Guardian um, written by Ashish Gadili. Sure. I went to school 
I went to a school, Lee Jackson Elementary, that was named after Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson, two soldiers of the, of the Confederacy who, if they had their way, would have me still in a field picking cotton. It creates this incredible mental anguish, but also this mental fortitude, because over every scrap of land that a Confederate apologist walks upon today, somebody who looks like me bled, worked, cried, sweat, and died. I'll be damned if I give it if I give it up or seed them one foot, one inch, one hectare, one millimeter. When people read my books, they see the African-American characters in my books and talk about their strength and depth of character. That's me paying homage to the people I knew and the people who came before me and suffered these outrageous indignities. So I, I just like where he's coming from in his voice, and it feels just... Yes, and I think the one character I thought was well-developed was, was Ike. Ike. Yeah. So and Ike is sense. the most like the author. So that's, yes. you know, mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. I also, I really like this genre. It's referred to as Southern Grit Lit, which I just think is also cool uh. to say. Or like Southern Gothic or Rural Noir. Rural Noir. Oh, yeah. Rural okay. Noir. I can see how that is the genre. That which, is, okay. which feels very specific to the American South. Yes. Like, that is a genre about and for the American South. And that is where I have always lived. And mm-hmm. it's where I currently live. So, like, obviously anyone can enjoy these stories and should so that they can learn about, you know, the American South, which has a lot of history. And these aren't my experiences. Obviously, I'm not a black man. But it feels like this genre, like, in a way, like, belongs to me. Like, it, it, when someone writes about your hometown, you know what I mean? Yes, that... Mm. This is something we're going to talk about with our next book. Because it mentions Muncie, Indiana. Yeah, because I am not from the South. I am from the Midwest. And yes. Yeah. So in a way, I was just like this. It feels mm-hmm. like you're dropping the name of my high school. You know what I mean? Even though I did not grow up in the same way that this author did. Cosby obviously writes in a way that shows that he loves the South, but is also keenly aware of the ways that the South needs to change. And I love that. Like, because I think that's true of me, too. I can't not love where I'm from, but also I hate where I'm from. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so many problems with the way that people here or in Texas or... And I think almost anybody could say that, so... Yeah, so I love his, like, I am from here and this place is part of me and I'm proud of that, but I am not going to ignore the things about it and I'm going to show them to you, too, like... He grew up in Virginia where racism is obviously still pervasive, but he still writes about loving the South while trying to make it better for everyone. And I just really like that. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. And and based on his quote, do you think he's writing this for people from the South to think more critically about their home as opposed to like people outside of maybe, you know, I mean, there's a lot of like Southern tropes mm-hmm. in in all of his writing. Okay. And I I do think that both of his books blend hey, we grew up down the street from each other, but I have a different world from you type of vibe, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people from the south who did not grow up as Cosby did, who went to a school with Confederate names and never thought a thing about it and mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important for them to read books like this and to regularly read authors Mm-hmm. from the South that are not white. And mm-hmm. I just really liked the genre, the Southern grit lit, Southern Gothic, rural noir. I just wanted to take it home with me. Like, okay. Not to derail you, but do you know anything about his first book? 
I have read it and I loved it. Okay. Because I saw some reviews that like hated this one but loved that one. It might be better. So you think Blacktop is better? It might be better. I was, I felt like because it came out first and this one came out so close on its heels Mm -hmm. that that might be true. I thought that he did character better than you did, but I was not reading it as critically as sure. you did. Speaking of, we talked about this last episode. Where were you when you read this? This is a pretty recent book, so you had yeah. to have read it. I read recently. it. I read it last July. And so, like when it came out, pretty close to when okay. it came out. Yeah, I mean, I I picked it as my book of the month club book, and right. so it must have come out that month. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't remember specifically, like, I wasn't traveling or anything. Like, I just, it came in the mail. It may I, not be relevant yeah. to the conversation. Yeah. So a lot of what I liked about this book was the author himself. Yeah. Okay. And I knew nothing about him going yeah. into it. And I'm not from the South. Right. So it makes sense that it would resonate with you better. And you are more familiar with this genre and its common pitfalls. I am more familiar with the genre. And I am part of an interracial marriage. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So... I think it just struck me I, more. And I kind of figured that going into it. Because I knew you really liked it. So I was like, well, there's obviously reasons. Um, I didn't think about the southern aspect of it. Yeah. The, in the way that you presented it. Yeah, and I don't think that anyone would just, like, call it that. But when I looked no. into it and I was like, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I think I want to end on something that I just really liked in this interview He's asked, do you have a favorite single line of prose, either your own or another author's? And Cosby wrote, I love the last line of Thomas Harris's novel, Red Dragon. Shiloh isn't haunted. Men are haunted. Shiloh doesn't care. Ooh, interesting. I really like that. And again, it's Shiloh, Civil War. Yeah, and that makes sense that he would. Yeah. Having read his work, I get it. I referenced it earlier, so I really feel like I need to say it. But like he, he says something in one of these interviews of how he writes. Oh, it's because he was asked, uh, do you read while you're writing? And he said, I, I used to not read while I'm writing because I didn't want to feel influenced. And I, as a writer, don't read when I'm writing. Interesting. I will, I I will take that. like a month, two month long break and not read while I'm writing. Mm. And he said it's because he doesn't want to be influenced. But he doesn't do that anymore because he realized like you, you can't take it out of the author. Like they have the voice that they have. For instance, I'll, he says, like, I'll use this flowery language, lots of similes, too many similes, according to some reviewers. Or just like, bad ones. He, he knows the way people feel about his similes, and he doesn't care what you think I mean, about his similes. that's fair. Yeah. I really liked that. We, yes. we had an accidental, like, 15-second conversation about this yes. book where you were like, the similes! And I was like, ooh. Yeah. And I had just read that interview. He knows. He knows who he is. He's aware of himself. It's not for me, I think, That's is fine. what this conversation is, like, making clear. Is, yeah. Yeah. It is for some people because it was an instant New York Times bestseller. It yes. won a ton of awards. People like this book. It wasn't clear from the dust jacket. Did this one win a lot of awards or was it Blacktop Wasteland that won a lot? This one won a lot of awards. Okay. Interesting. And Blacktop Wasteland was reprinted because it didn't get a whole lot of traction the first time. It was reprinted. After. On the coattails of... Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, which is how I found it. And I was like, oh, I'll go back. It's probably not as good, but I think I might have liked it more. Okay, so knowing more about this book, do you have the same star rating? Do you feel the same as you did when we started? I'm really thinking about this. I appreciate that. I don't know. I might bump it up to two stars, knowing a little bit more about him. I think I'm not the target audience. That's true. Uh 
which is... I mean, I picked it because I thought you might hate it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't fix the content problems that I had with, like, the message. I think he... I think he has an important voice, and it's just delivered in the wrong package or something. Yeah. I don't know. He could polish up the package, but his voice is important. And not even his voice. I think his perspective maybe would be a better way for me to put it. I appreciate his perspective. But this as a piece of literature, like, it doesn't get a pass because of what he's trying to do. Sure. To just be... Sure. It was... And I think the reason I'm so hesitant is it was not enjoyable for me to read. Because of some of the writing problems. Yeah, the writing problems and, the like, towards the end, the content problems where I was just having this disconnect and I was like, you, you know, that we've already It took you about. out of... It did and... I don't like it for that reason because I didn't enjoy... I enjoyed talking about it. Like, it has engendered good conversation, which is worth something. Yeah. So, yeah, but I I wouldn't, like, recommend it to most people. I recommend it to everyone I see who will listen to me (laughs) long enough to hear me say, you should read Razor Blade Tears. Well, that's that's okay. (laughs) I'm not going to be recommending it, guys. Agree to disagree. Also read Blacktop Wasteland. (laughs) And as a Cosby, I'm a really big fan. You do great. <laughs> Come on the show. Yeah. Do you want to um, read some one-star reviews? Not at all, but <laughs> hand them over. Uh, they're pretty short. This one's long, but you can skip the middle. From Thushara. I mainly picked it because it's going to make you read another one of his similes. But I did not mention <laughs> earlier. And yeah. I did edit it because, yeah, for content. Okay. I feel gaslit by the Goodreads community. Did we read the same book, y'all? The power lifter had sweat stains spreading down his armpits that vaguely resembled Max maps of England and Ireland, respectively. Okay, that's a terrible. <laughs> the next one I picked, um, this is from Mitch. Shuffle, Basically shuffle, because shuffle. when I read his, I was like, oh yeah, I could have written that. I do not understand the glowing review for this book. It's badly written, badly edited. The stereotypical characters are two-dimensional at best. Almost every character is a plot point, and the entire story is just toxic masculinity as virtue signaling. I think the book I wanted was just a book about Ike and Buddy Lee while the boys were alive coming to terms with their sons. Yeah. And getting to know each other through their shared struggle. Which probably would be a whole different genre. That's called <laughs> that's called literary fiction. <laughs> Which is my genre. So yeah. I wanted it in a different genre. That's um, fine. I mean, this book isn't for you. Like yeah. I didn't anticipate that it would be to your taste. Right. That was the point. Yeah. Oh, what book do you want me to read for next week? Oh, yes. Yeah. So our next book uh is going to be we're going back in time now. Okay. This book was published. Razorblade was published, you know, last year or this year, so we're going back to the 19-teens. <laughs> 19-teens. Uh, with Sherwood Anderson's Winesburg, Ohio. Because speaking of books set in the place you were from, okay. welcome to Ohio, which is right next to Indiana, which is where I'm from. Okay. So. We will be back next week with Winesburg, Ohio by so Sherwood Anderson. Stephanie can tell us how much she hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to the Montague Workshop. See you next week.